0: Thank you for joining me today. This is Colin Hamilton, commodities analyst at BMO Capital Markets, and welcome to our short Metals Matters podcast, where we highlight the key things you need to know in global metals and mining this week.
1: First of all, I wanted to say thanks to the 240 of you who attended our seventh annual BMO LME Week research seminar, and I hope you enjoyed the event. From my Admittedly, by his perspective, I think it was the best one yet, with a venue to match the quality of the presentations for once. Also, a big thanks to those who attended the usual BMO LME lunch on the Monday of LME Week. It was great to see the real movers and shakers in global metals and mining there once again. As I mentioned in the last Metal Matters, there were more events than usual at LME Week this year, and myself and the rest of the BMO team ran around as many of them as we could get to. Undeniably, there was a bearish undertone to discussions, hardly surprising given the geopolitical backdrop. There were plenty of concerns on 2024 demand, on geopolitics and also on financial markets. However, there was also a feeling that things could have been worse than they are, particularly given China's property disappointment. And the confidence in long-term trends and metals persists. Near term, well, the impact of rising rates on metals is widely discussed, certainly fears that the real effect on end demand is actually yet to come. There's also worries noted over dollar strength issued with credit funds and further potential stocking by end users, not to mention the financial health of many trading companies given that interest rate rises. In particular, Europe looks weak. We heard of European metal consumers already deferring purchases for early 2024, while we're getting some investors increasingly worried about the pace of the fuel to materials transition in ex-China, given some of the weakness in EV sales for certain large car companies and also the health of the solar industry. With metals balances for 2024 generally in a surplus, the view is that, We'll be preparing for the worst and perhaps hoping for the best in 2024. The restock cycle on falling rates, perhaps amplified by money flows, the best hope of improvement. Thinking about positives though, India. Not typically on the agenda, LME week saw plenty of discussion around development and infrastructure momentum. What was my most interesting conversation of LME week? Well, this speak to one auto industry buyer who, albeit a little tongue-in-cheek, suggested that the mining sector had been crying wolf again. For all the talk of supply issues across metals and mining discussed at LME Week 2022, their point was that, fast forward 12 months, and copper, lithium, nickel and cobalt, all crucial to the fuel to materials transition, are also all well supplied at present, the point being that the metals and mining industry had again solved its own problem via the supply side and hence the traditional value chain still worked without the need for downstream to worry about upstream supply my view, there's no doubt we've seen some elastic response of supply to prices and some capital deployed in, in places like the lithium sector, but I'd also highlight long-term capital spend is still below the necessary levels. But this perspective, from the auto industry, it is something the wider industry should perhaps be a little bit more cognisant of. What about the individual metals? Overall, it's fair to say the near-term market sentiment of the LME week was based across all of them. That being said... Aluminium managed to attract the most optimism. Chinese demand has held up relatively well, supported by really strong growth in that renewable sector, particularly in solar panels, and not just for the domestic market, also for exports. And strong Chinese property completions, which is of course the alley intensive part of any property build, well that's also helped. Despite ex-China demand weakness, available inventory levels are low and are being further squeezed a little bit by the volumes of Russian material sitting in the LME, which simply isn't wanted by many buyers. There was discussion on metal financing and Chinese production volumes for next year. Pretty much every aluminium trader we met was relatively optimistic. Zinc also attracted a bit of interest. This was the one though with the widest range of forecasts, particularly for that 2024 concentrate balance. Why? Well, there's uncertainty around the duration of supply cuts um, that we've seen in recent times, the impact of Penaschito's return, and also whether we see smelters turn back on, particularly Nordenum in Germany. Given this, treatment charge expectations for next year are all over the place, with some suggesting the contract DC could be $50 a tonne higher, others think it would be $100 a tonne lower than seen for this year. For a zinc flat price, however, most people seem comfortable with a slightly higher level for next year than current spot, given the cuts. Also, lead prices viewed as relatively well underpinned by wider energy storage demand. Moving to copper. Copper's used to feeling the love during LMA week. This year was somewhat different. A prevailing view is that price will have to reset lower into next year with rising inventory and that the current strong availability of mine supply with see treatment charges reset higher. Actually, the more we hear about discussions, uh, it seems that those contract TCRCs might even be flat into next year. But well, we'd heard further evidence of fear of substitution at Asian consumers, despite this, 2023-24 has seen as a bit of a blip in the longer-term positive story, but there was a lot of discussion around the lack of new copper projects being approved and how, at current price levels, no more would be. There's still a long-term preference for exposure to copper, both for producers and investors, and I honestly think that will persist into the medium term. Finally, on the main LME metals, nickel. This was one where participants were unanimously bearish on nickel prospects. Many speakers keen to highlight the significant volumes of SS intermediates coming mainly from Indonesia. What's perhaps equally concerning though is that volume of invisible Class 2 inventory that's soon going to be becoming visible through Class 1 as we see Chinese nickel appear in LME warehouses which started this week. There's some good traders there suggesting nickel position was so bearish this could provide an opportunity and pointed to Indonesia's uh, policy change and potential mining restrictions into the end of the year. But for now, passive lease resistance, for the LME price at least, does look to be downward. One key takeaway from LME week was that Chinese market participants, of which many were in London, are more bullish, or at least less bearish, than many others had expected. Yes, the property sector is bad, and is likely to remain bad for 2024, but the view was that essentially all other metal consuming areas in China were doing well, as was the export market for metal containing goods. Of course, backing this, China's industrial metals demand is up year on year, so the overall view is that we are past peak China pessimism. And recent data points have put a floor in the market, or as another commentator put it, China is buying China again. In terms of data points, QC GDP out this week above expectation, industrial production growing at 4.5% in September, electricity consumption up almost 10% year on year, credit data is improving, even for mortgages. For metals demand, property will still be a drag into 2024, but for right here, right now, China remains a strong spot for global commodity markets. On a slightly different point regarding China, it was really interesting to note that at the CNIA forum during LMA week, there was a clear message that China will open the door wider and wider for international cooperation, with offers to build smelters and invest in value chains in extractive countries. This is a change of tone, a much more conciliatory approach than the woke warrior diplomacy we have seen in recent years. <music> Lastly this week, a couple points in iron ore. It's fair to say iron ore prices have confounded many expectations in recent weeks, hands up, including mine. The 62% index is holding steady, close to $120 a ton, despite China property defaults and relatively robust supply. So, to answer some of the questions I'm getting, what happened to steel output cuts? Well, we have seen some. Uh, the NBS data showed that September's iron and steel output was lower than August but we haven't seen much in terms of the mandated supply reductions. We've seen some reduced centre-plant output in Hebei for the Belt and Road Forum, and that's seen the lump premium hit a 2023 high. Will we see further cuts, almost certainly. Even if the NDRC has given up on its previous statements around full-year decline, which, by the way, I don't think it has, steel margins are now so bad that simple economics will drive closures. Next question, do low iron ore port inventories mean anything? Well, just like those for base metals, yes and no. Low port inventories are very visible to buyers who naturally become more nervous in that type of situation and that's compounded by the fact that the free float in port inventories is typically quite low. There's also an interesting subplot to the iron ore data. If you think of the way we analyse Chinese domestic production, it's essentially implied. We know pig iron output. We know imports, we know the change in port stockpiles, so we can infer domestic output as a balancing item. The problem is, based on the September data, domestic iron ore output is more or less zero in China, and that's certainly not the case. So, I think there's three possible explanations. Number one, Chinese blast furnace output is higher than official figures. Certainly possible, and there have been instances of this in the past. Number two... The quality of iron ore imports is lower than we are modelling. Also possible, particularly given the real results this week, discussed increased shipments of lower grade product. And number three, steel mills are holding higher stockpiles on their sites. I go as far to say as this one is probable. It allows more production flexibility, probably some fears around restricted material movement around Q4 meetings in Beijing, and there might be some worry that the centralised buyer would take control of it as that raw materials group started to flex this muscle, So I think all three are combining to skew our numbers a little at the moment. More importantly, what do we expect for price? If there are cuts announced and or if we see wider contagion from the country garden default, iron prices could well be lower in a month's time. Possibly still though, three figures. With visible inventory low, however, and summit optimism about the economic cycle into next year, there is no reason to think the usual year-end rally won't take place again this time round. Thank you for listening to Metal Matters. As ever, I hope you found this useful and any constructive feedback is greatly appreciated. And please join me in a couple of weeks for the next discussion on pertinent topics in global metals and bulk commodities.
0: That was Metal Matters, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to Metal Matters on Apple Podcasts and other podcast providers, or visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more episodes, including our other podcast series, BMO Equity Research, in tune. If you have feedback or suggestions for upcoming podcasts, please do share it with me at colin.hamilton.com. At bmo.com. To access our full disclosures, please visit Research Global forward slash public hyphen disclosure.